Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. Guys, you know that I have a heart for police officers. I have a heart for veterans. And this gentleman we're going to talk to is both and he's changing the game. But first, I want to thank our sponsors. Without you, this show would not be possible. Thank you, Tammy Moses. She's a, a Navy veteran. Also, all, all my sponsors are 100% veterans, 100% of the time. And she has a podcast called The Truth We Hide, we, we hide Behind. I mean, uh, The Hoarding Solution. And it's based on hoarding, but also dealing with a lot of trauma. So uh, check her out, guys. This is going to be a great episode. Um, I have so many questions to ask. And I'm so blessed and honored that this gentleman is coming on to hang out with me today. Like I said, he's an author. He's a speaker. He does it all. He's the perfect guest. So, brother, thank you for hopping on. And once again, I, I apologize for the for the time difference. I'm still trying to figure out the time differences. Hey, Richard, thank you for uh, no problem, man. Um, thank you for, for having me on your show, brother. Appreciate it. Oh, man, you know, I, I love, like I said, you know, my best friend is a police officer. And um, I love my police officer. This family always backs the blue. Um, last year, my daughter was a, a police officer for Halloween. So, we, you know, we, we backed the blue 100%. And we backed the green, too. So, yeah, um, that's awesome. So I'm grateful for you. How is your day going? You know, it's going good, brother. I mean, I'm busy just like you are, and uh, I'm blessed. Uh, you know, I always start my day in, in gratitude, and uh, I'm, I'm busy, and I have a show like you uh, were talking about. I'm an author, and I'm just, like I said, I just, I love coming on shows like this to to kind of support what you're doing, brother, and uh, get my message out to the masses, and yeah, I'm just having a great day. Thank you for asking. I hope you are, too. Oh, you know, I'm having an, an amazing day. I just got asked to be on a a 30 guest panel to help uh, talking about veterans suicide and PTSD. Mm -hmm. And it's going to go out to 150,000 people. So I'm pretty stoked that, you know, God's given me the chance to be able to give back and and help other others out there. So now I got, I love your podcast. As soon as um, I started, so I knew as we were going to talk, I I kind of, it's been nothing in my house, but it's been um, all day about you (laughs) a couple of days. And I love the, I love your podcast. And, you know, my podcast is just two brothers sitting down having a cup of coffee. You know, yeah. that's the kind of way that I do it. So talk to us, you know, tell us, you know, we're going to, we're going to hop in the way back machine. Uh, tell us where you're from, uh, where you grew up and what kind of little boy you were. Well, great question, uh, Richard. I mean, I grew up in Denver. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, I was a military brat. My dad was a JAG officer, uh, you know, ever since I can remember when I was a little kid. And for those of you who don't know what a JAG officer is, that's basically a lawyer uh, in the military. He was in the army. So the first 10 years of my life, I was, I was overseas and we were in Germany. My dad was stationed all around Europe. Uh, And then when I was about nine or 10, we, we came back to Colorado. My dad got stationed here in uh, Colorado and I, I, and I spent the rest of my time here uh, in Colorado and, and grew up in Denver, which was a great city to grow up in. And you know, uh, at one point I wanted, I went into the military uh, a little bit later on in life. I was 21. That's old. Were you, uh, were you a reader? Were you into sports? Yeah, I was into sports. Uh, I had a great upbringing, you know, middle-class family. My mom was a nurse. 
Uh, dad was a lawyer. Uh, he eventually uh, got out of the army and went into the Air Force. But yeah, I was big on and baseball. I played a lot of golf, still play a lot of golf. Um, but at one point I went into the military, uh, went down to the 82nd uh, at Fort Bragg, jumping out of perfectly good air, uh, airplanes. Okay. And now I want to, I want to hop back uh, sure. because, you know, I've talked to hundreds of, of people on my shows now and everybody has a different recruiting story. Talk <laughs> to me about the day. <laughs> so I walked, you know, again, I come from a military family. My, my, uh, my dad, you know, he was, he, he was a, he was a desk jockey. I mean, he, he was a lawyer and there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, so I, you know, I wanted to do something extreme. I've always had that, you know, that, that bug in me. I, I was, you know, I was, you know, an adrenaline dunk, junkie. I still am to some degree, but, you know, I walked into the recruiter, I took the ASVAB, you know, the, the aptitude test and I scored pretty high. And, and, you know, I, I basically had my pick of, of what I wanted to do, but I wanted to do something, you know, extreme. So, you know, my recruiter, you know, talked me into, well, it was my decision, but, you know, talked to, he was telling me about, oh, the 82nd, you got to go airborne and, you know, they don't do much work. They just jump out of planes and they, you know, they come back, clean their weapons all day. And I was like, okay, well, you know, jumping out of planes, that sounds perfectly good. So I, I just, I uh, went down there, went to Benning for uh, basic, you know, when she went down the road to airborne school and some other things and got assigned uh, or stationed at uh, Fort Bragg. And, you know, we're jumping all the time and I'm like, God, my recruiter lied to me. I'm still hunting after my recruiter. Yeah. Now a question, you know, because, you know, I've talked to a bunch of Navy SEALs and a lot of different operators and, you know, like I always thought, you know, before I started my show that, you know, when I talk to special, you know, operators, you know, that they're all these jacked up guys, six foot five, three, you know, 3% body fat. And then I've talked to a lot of the, you know, and I've met a lot of the operators. And I'm like, wait a minute, this guy looks like my accountant, you know, but and when I talk to a lot of these guys, it, the reason they made it through the selection process is because they were willing to do that. Just one more push up, one more rep. Yeah. So what was your thought process? Because I'm sure you've seen a lot of people, you know, ring the bell, quit. What made you not quit and what kept you in the game? Well, a lot of it. That's a great question. You know, a lot of it is just, you know, mindset. You know, it, for me, it was, you know, quitting never never came in my, and I was just brought up that way. You just don't quit. And so a lot of it is, I think it's who you surround yourself with. I remember my dad telling me, Richard, that's a good question. My dad telling me, and I told my son when he went into the air force, he, he, my dad was a very smart man. And he said, look, there's going to be people that are in basic training with you or airborne school or ranger school or whatever. There's going to be people that are going to try to get you to quit. They're going to try to throw in the towel. And very rarely in that environment, Richard, people don't want to do it alone, right? They want to do it with somebody else because, you know, they don't want to be the only person. And so I really disconnected from the people that had that mindset that they wanted to quit. And there was a lot of them, you know, throughout my military training. But it never it never crossed my mind. Did I get hurt, banged up? Absolutely. But I never wanted to quit. It's just how I was how I was raised. And before I even went in, I got myself in better shape. You know, I conditioned myself. I mean, I'm, you know, I lost a bunch of weight. I started eating well, uh, started running a lot. So for the people out there listening who who want, you know, a military career, it doesn't matter if you go SF or, you know, whatever, you know, start prep, preparing now. It doesn't matter what branch you're going into. You're going to have to go through some physical conditioning. So, again, that helped me a lot. And just preparing my mind, brother. I was a little older at the time, too. I was 21. I was still a kid. But, you know, I wasn't 18 or 17. I had some life experience behind me. 
So I think that helped me too. But, you know, just the mindset. I mean, I talk a lot about mindset and, and it's, you know, it's, it can either make or break you. And this is why these guys, and I talked to a bunch of SEALs too, and friends with a lot of them and Rangers and SA, you know, Green Berets. And they all, they always come back to the same thing, man. And it's mindset. You've got to want it. You have to want it. You can't go in there, you know, half cocked and, you know, yeah, I think I can make, well, you're not going to make it through if you have that attitude. Every operator, every SF guy or, you know, special forces guy I talked to, you know, that they're like, yeah, I, I knew I was going to quit. I would have to die before, you know, I, I'm done with that. And that, that's, that's what got me through that is just developing that correct mindset and surrounding yourself with the right people, not the wrong people. Okay. Now I have a question because, um, yeah, you know, uh, one of my friends, John McCaskill, uh, yeah, he's a good buddy of mine. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. Good friend. He, you know, he, t he told the story about after his hell week that, you know, after he knew that he passed, you know, hell week. And then he knew that when he was going to get pinned, um, that afterwards there was kind of a, he said, there's a phenomenon where there's like kind of a, a depression because everything was leading, leading up to it. And you were so pumped. And then you're like, okay, now the work really just starts to begin. So yeah. what was it like when you passed your selection process? You know, because obviously, you know, wherever we go, we always have to start from the bottom to work our way up. So what was that like when you first, your first duty station? Yeah. I mean, the same thing, you know, get done with airborne school and some other stuff, air assault. And that's the same thing. You know, you're, you, you, okay. You've, you've developed that mindset, you know, you, you got your wings and now you're, okay, now you're in, and John is exactly right. I mean, it's the work is just beginning. So, okay, you got your stuff. And, you know, when I was in the 82nd, which is an airborne infantry unit, elite airborne infantry unit, you know, I mean, it's, it's nothing but training. And so, you know, the training has just begun, just like John was saying with the teams. Yeah, you get your trident, but that's just the start of it. And so after you get your trident, now it's, then you're getting, you know, just even more intense training. So, yeah, I mean, you just it's a life not for everybody, brother. I mean, it's you have to want that type of life. You know, my son, who's in Space Force, he's in the Air Force and I'm so proud of him. But he was kicking around the idea of going through, uh, you know, they call them PJs, pararescue in the Air Force. And uh, that's their uh, special forces and other other units in the Air Force. And, you know, he was thinking about doing that. And, you know, I said, you, I'll support you, whatever you want to do, my son. Uh, but it's a it's an operational tempo. And it's something that you really, really have to want. And a lot of people think they want it, but until they get into that environment, then that's, it's either make or break. That's why the, the teams, you know, the SEALs, uh, Rangers, you know, Q course with, uh, you know, the U.S. Army for special forces, you know, that's why they have such a high attrition rate is because everybody wants to do it. You know, they see the movies and they say, oh, that's cool shit. But, you know, very few people can, can, can do it mentally. And it's a mental game. That, that, that's all it is. It, 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 it's all it is. You know, it's physical too, obviously. But the mind is very powerful. And if you put your mind to something, you can do anything you, you put your mind to. And that's the simple fact. Now, how many years did you do in, in the military? I was in for four. And then when I got out of the military, uh, I had a small, I wanted to stay in. You know, I, I liked the tempo. I liked uh, the 82nd. Uh, I liked, you know, being around the guys. Um, but you know, I had a, you know, a wife and she didn't like, I was gone half the time, you know, she never knew where I was at. Uh, and it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough, uh, life for a spouse, you know, yeah. especially, 
that was going to be, you know, be my next question yeah. because, you know, um, I, I meet a lot of people, men and women. And, you know, when, before, when they get out of the military, a lot of the times, not all the time, you know, when they get out, um, like, like a friend of mine, you know, my friend, Nick, he said, you know, once you get out of the military and you step off base, the military does not give a rat's ass about you anymore. Mm-hmm. Your, your phone will stop, will stop ringing. So, you know, a lot of people, when we're in the military, we get used to getting paid on the 1st and the 15th, having TRICARE, BAQ, all that good stuff. And then when we decide to get out, or like for me, I got hurt, so I got, you know, medically discharged. Um, I lost my mission, mm-hmm. and I also lost the camaraderie. Yeah. So what was your transitioning like? And and because you were married, because a lot of guys don't, they don't... Um, like for me, like my wife is my best friend. She's my rock. She's my everything. Um, but women have a sixth or seventh sense about them where if something is off, they'll know. Um, but sometimes those, you know, guys, when they get out or girls, when they get out, they don't have that mm-hmm. hard talk at the kitchen table with the significant other until the crap is the fan. And then they got to have an eater even harder time. So what was your transitioning like? Well, my wife, you know, and I had a, a conversation, you know, um, you know, about probably six months before I got out and she wanted me out. She just, she couldn't do it anymore. I mean, and, and to be fair to her, I mean, I, I, you know, looking back, I mean, I understand where she was coming from and we had a new baby at that time, our daughter. Uh, and so I decided to get out, but to answer your question, Richard, it was the right decision to make, you know, um, to answer your question, it, I, I really didn't have, yeah, I missed the camaraderie. I miss the guys I was with in my unit, but I'm still connected with them. I mean, that's the one thing about the military. You know this, Richard. I mean, I can get on Facebook and and talk to any one of these guys. And it's like we, we, you know, it's like we were in the same unit. It's like yesterday. Um, But I didn't have a lot of time to, to, to lament on the, the, the camaraderie and the military just because I had a young family I had to take care of. And before I got out, you know, I, I come from a police family. I mean, a lot of Chicago cops in my family. And so I, you know, I had a new mission and I, and I knew I wanted to, to go the law enforcement route. And so I was focused on that. Yeah. Mil- the military was a part of me, but it wasn't, it's not my whole, whole me. Um, so now, I, I changed my mission. Now, obviously you, you were deployed once or twice somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, did you come back? Okay. Did you notice anything was off or everything was just okay? Well, you know, I, that's a great question. I mean, you know, things were off, but you know, in the military, just like in law enforcement, you know, we're really good. At least I was, I can't speak for everybody else, but I was really good at, you know, uh, pushing things down. You know, I had good friends of mine that were, that were killed in the military in a, in a plane crash and, and other, other ways. And, you know, it, it messes with you. I mean, death is, you know, to see death, you know, in, in the military and to see death in law enforcement for 23 years. It's, it's not normal, obviously. And so it does mess mess with you. And it has messed with me uh, over the years. That's why I have a therapist. <laughs> me too, right? And, I've and, the uh, same therapist for 11 years. So. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, we're, we're really good. Um, and I've been so disconnected. You know, I, I'm more connected now, obviously, with law enforcement. But I haven't been in the military in a long time. But, yeah, you saw, I saw things in the military that messed with me. But I was a kid. Uh, but it was like, okay, I pushed it down. And then, you know, in law enforcement, it just compounded. Uh, until, you know, it, it came to a head and I needed help. You know, and, and so, and that's, that's the thing that with, I talk about with, you know, first responders and, and when I say first responders, not just law enforcement, I mean, there's, that's a big umbrella that everybody falls under, 
you know, if you're, if you're, if you're hurting, you need to get help. There's a lot of, a lot of resources out there. You know, like I said, you know, um, my, my best friend's a police officer Mm -hmm. and one of my, one of my other best friends, he's a a detective. And he said, you know, because there's like, if me and you get together, we're military. Mm -hmm. We can talk, we can, we have our own lingo. You know, we have our own language and just like police officers, they have that thin blue line where they can talk to each other, but it's kind of hard to, you know, like my friend, he said, you know, my wife asked me how my day was. And I just came home from a quadruple homicide in, in involving children. How can I talk about my day? So he's, he keeps he kept a lot of the stuff to himself that he would only talk with with his with his, um, his partner. But then when he retired, he was alone in his head for a, while, a long time. And that's mm-hmm. a scary place to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so now, you know, after 23 years as a police police officer. That must have been, you know, you sure I'm sure you had a lot of things that you shouldn't have seen. So what was the breaking point? What was the moment that you had your breaking point? You know, I think it was a culmination of things, you know, a lot of family stuff going on. Um, You know, I, you know, I got to a point where I just couldn't I couldn't suppress it anymore. And, you know, I'm getting older, too. Um, And again, a lot of depression, you know, a lot of guilt you know, that a lot of first responders, you know, suffer with. And I just got to a point where I needed help and I reached out, but I was so worried, you know, like a lot of first responders are, I know because I talked to a lot of them, they're, you know, so worried about, you know, coming forward and asking for help because there's still a stigma in law enforcement uh, with, you know, people who are suffering, suffering from, you know, PTSD and other issues because they don't want to get labeled. And so for me, it was a hard thing to come forward, but I did. And it was the best thing you know, I, I ever did. I mean, you know, the thing, and you know, Richard, I mean, we just have so many resources available. I think we, we still have a long way to go, but law enforcement has changed since when I got in, you know, a long time ago, over two decades ago, where I'd be involved in critical incidents or go to a death scene, a bad death scene or a car crash or whatever. And we didn't have the, the resources at that point, you know, and if we did, they weren't very good. Now, you know, you go through a critical incident. When I mean critical incident, I mean like a shooting or use of force or something, uh, you know, now it's it's mandated. You have to. You mean it doesn't matter. You could sit there and not say anything, but you're going to go through some sort of uh, peer support group. You're going to go through some, you know, debriefing or counseling. So again, it was a culmination of things for me that really, you know, got to a point where okay, I can go on this path. I can stay on this path where I'm at. You know, the path of, you know, uh, you know, alcohol and you know, being depressed and angry, or I can, you know, you know. I, I was looking at my family too and saying, you know, I can't keep going like this because they're the ones that are, that are suffering me, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm suffering, but they're the ones who are, are getting the brunt of it. So I made a, a decision and it's, it was the best decision I ever made. And I wish more law enforcement would do that. Now, did you do this before you retired? Yeah. Yeah. I did it long before I retired and it made the difference, you know, for me, like I said, and I, and I still see a therapist and I still talk to people and, you know, you mentioned my podcast before brother, thanks for, for, for mentioning it. You know, it, it is every time I get on an interview with somebody, you know, it's it's therapy for me, especially when we're talking about self-improvement and mindset uh, and, and letting go of the past and not lamenting in the past, which a lot of us do. You know, the biggest problem I see, Richard, and, and I was a, I was guilty of this, too, for many years is, you know, the mistakes and the decisions that I had made in the past. So many people get hung up on that and they think that their life is now defined uh, by the mistakes and decisions that they've made in the past. And that's not the case. 
you know, every day is a new day. And it took me a while to realize that, but that's, that's a big thing I see with people is, is a lot of people just get hung up. I should have done this, should have done that. And I made this mistake. I, I made this decision. Okay. Well, that's the past where you learn from it. But a lot of people live in the past on what they should have done. And that's not a way to live. And uh, you, yeah, you got to get past that. Cause then you just shit all over yourself. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, and it's not healthy. I mean, I use the analogy of a car, you know, what, you know, why is the front windshield bigger than the, the rear? Well, because it's in, it's the future. You're you're driving somewhere. You need to see the bigger picture. The past is the past. That's why the window's smaller. Quit yeah. looking behind you. It's well, gone. I, I, yeah, and I, I've been in recovery now thirty two years. I'm sober for thirty two yeah. now. Congrats. And one thing I teach my you know people that I coach is that the three things you can do in the next thirty days to improve your life and turn it around is one is write down everybody you've ever harmed and attempt to make amends. Mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness yeah you know the second is you know write down all the people that have hurt you in the past and forgive them yeah and the third part which is the hardest part but it's the, it's the best part is learning like you said to forgive yourself and put that rucksack down because it's hard to run on the treadmill if you're just putting more books in the rucksack every day yeah you're exactly right man you, you gotta forgive yourself and that's the hard that's a hard thing for a, a, a lot of people is you know we are we are we are more willing as humans. It really is amazing, Richard. We're, we're more willing to help other people most of the time. Not everybody, but most of us are good people, and most of us are going to help. We're going to go. We're going to bend over backwards to help family members, our spouse, our kids, obviously, friends. But we don't help ourselves most of the time. You know, we we have this you know struggle internally with you know okay, you got one side telling you one thing, another side saying, oh, you're a piece of shit. You're never going to amount to anything. And so you, and that's where therapy and counseling and surrounding yourself with the right people come into play. I'm a big advocate. You know, Jim Rohn said, you know, the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So I always, I always ask people, the people I coach and talk to, who are you surrounding yourself with? You know, who, 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 are, who is your circle of influence? Who, because they are, they are determining your future. So when I go to the gym, brother, I go to the gym every day. I have a, you know, I have a, I have a coach, a workout coach, you know, who, you know what, this guy's ripped. He's in shape. Why? Because I want to learn from the best. I don't want to go with a friend of mine who drinks beer all the time. A good guy, but I want somebody who's going to take me to that next level. So I always tell people, do a people inventory. Who, who is around you? If the people are toxic and they're bringing you down, it's like getting financial advice from the guy who's broke. Why are you going to listen to him? But so many people surround themselves with the wrong people. And I know it's hard because a lot of times it's family. Doesn't mean I have, I have family members that I can't stand. I love them, but I don't want to hang out with them because they're toxic. But so many people, they hang out with the wrong people and that affects them. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, you got kids. I got kids. You know, what, what do you do with your kids when they're young? Oh, don't hang out with those people, man. They're doing drugs. Why? Because if my kid hangs out with the kids that are doing drugs, there's a pretty good chance that my kid's going to start doing drugs, right? Yeah, they say but that's what, you know, that's what happens to a lot of us. Yeah. So if you hang out in the barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Yeah, exactly. You know? But but so many people, you know, you know, hang out with the wrong sphere of influence. You know, James Allen, one of my favorite books out there is As a Man Thinketh. And for the listeners, if you've never read a brother, read it. For the Great listener, book. yeah, it's an amazing book. And he talks about the mind as a garden. Your mind is a garden. What kind of seeds are you planting in? Is it good positivity? 
or is it negative? I'm not talking about living in a bubble where everything's so you're living in some fantasy land. But, you know, if you're planting good seeds in your mind, like you said, forgiveness, learn how to forgive. That's a very powerful uh, aspect of all this. Learn how to forgive. I don't care what people have done to you. Your problems are not unique, people. They're not unique. The problems you have, divorce, relationship issues, financial issues, people have them too. You're not unique. And I'm not saying that to be a dick or be curt. I'm just saying your problems are not unique. But if you change your mindset, plant good seeds in your mind, your your life will change for the better. But you got to put in the action. Yep. You, know, you got to put in the action. Yep. I mean, you got to put in the work, you know, yep. you know, like anything else, if you, you know, if every, if everybody was successful, you know, everybody would do it, but it actually, you know, everybody wants to own a business until you got to do business owner stuff. Exactly. You know what I mean? So talk to us about self-care because I'm, you know, that's a very big one for me. Like what I do, I started doing, um, talking, you know, to John and his partner, uh, Will, Will Schneider about, um, being mindful and, you know, meditating and also mm-hmm. you know, taking time for yourself. Like what I do, I started doing, if you guys are listening, this is a pretty good mind hack. I, uh, I work until my phone dies and then I will plug it in and I will go do something that I enjoy for the next hour to recharge my batteries while mm-hmm. my phone is charging. So talk to us some about, about the things that you do. You already talked about working out. You already talked about reading, but what are some of the things that you would recommend for people with, you know, for self-care? My biggest thing, Richard, is start your day in gratitude. Start your day in gratitude. My, you know, before my feet even hit the floor, brother, before I don't even touch my phone for a good 35, 45 minutes, before I even get out of bed, I am going through, and now it's just like, it's so ingrained in me. I just do it, I think, subconsciously when I'm still asleep. But I'm going through my mind before I get up of what I'm grateful for. First and foremost, guess what? I'm breathing. I'm opening my eyes. I have a house. I have a beautiful family, beautiful wife. I go through, I probably, probably do that for five or 10 minutes because that's setting the tone for my day. So many people, before they even get up, they're thinking about, oh shit, I got to do this. I got to pay this bill. It's going to be a crappy day at work. They're setting the tone for their day. You know, I mean, I I start my day in gratitude. If you do this for any period of time, it will change your life. Because I don't care how crappy you you think your life is. Somebody always has it worse than you. And you always have something to be grateful for. So that's how I start my day, in gratitude. Actually, it drives my wife crazy. I have little sticky notes around my house. I take them down when we have company. But I have little sticky notes, little affirmations. Start affirming to yourself. The most two powerful things that you can do is I am. Those are two powerful words. I am. What do I mean? I am great. I am powerful. I am loved. I am successful. You know, I attract money. Whatever you want to do, you know, do those affirmations. And I do those every day. And like you said, I work out. I meditate. I journal. I do all this stuff before 6 a.m., dude. 6.30, I'm done. I get up early. I don't sit in bed. I I, I am more productive and I'm more energized during the mornings than anything. You know, I start slowing down about three or four in the afternoon and start taking time to kind of relax a little bit. But the, the, the biggest thing, again, is I would tell your listeners is start your day in gratitude. No, I'm a big gratitude guy. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when I, before I go to bed at night, 
I thank exactly. the Lord above me for everything exactly. that I have. I but thank, a lot of people don't do that. I thank him for my wife that's laying next to me. You know, I, I live in gratitude. And I believe, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, he's my Lord and Savior. Exactly. And um, But, you know, I kind of, you know, when I started calling him dad instead of God, my whole relationship changed. But I think of him, you know, if you have a kid that is grateful for the stuff that you give them, and takes care of them, of course, you're going to give them more. But if you have that snotty nosed kid, that's not grateful for anything. Why would you give them anything more? Cause yeah. they don't have any gratitude in their life. Yeah. So I'm, I'm told I'm totally down with, with the whole, you know, the gratitude stuff. I think that's pretty amazing. Now talk to us about your podcast. Cause like, I love your podcast. Thank I think you. about 10 episodes so far. Yeah. And I like the, the wide range of people you have, yeah. you know, like sometimes you get on a podcast like, like, I love Jocko, but it's mostly all military, all mm. stuff. And I'm like, no, I want to have somebody. I want to have authors, actors, athletes, you know. Mm. Where you, so talk to us about why you started your podcast. Because, you know, what, what, like you said, you're up to, what, 400-something episodes? Yeah, I think I'm up to about 430 now or 440. I mean, I know it sounds... You know, I'm not, <laughs> I have to check. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the 400s. I think I'm about uh, 430. You know, most people don't realize that the average podcast only goes eight episodes. Yeah. So there's 2 million podcasts out there, but a 1 million are inactive. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, a reason why a lot of people start podcasting because they have a, an opinion, but they don't realize that it takes work. Podcasting mm -hmm. is work like any other job. Yeah. So talk to us about how you started, why you started, and talk about some of your guests. Great question. I mean, I, I started the the show about almost six years ago when I was still on the job, when I was still a police officer, and you know, I just started it because I'm a. I mean, I love podcasts. Uh, you mentioned Jocko, and I'm a big fan of like uh, you know Joe Rogan and Lewis Howes and you know uh, Gary V and all these other uh, you know podcasters that. Uh, you know, JLG, John, Le uh, John Lee Dumas, I'm a big fan of. So I started listening to podcasts, you know, way, you know, long time ago. And, you know, I remember, you know, I was at work one night and I was like, you know, shit, I can do this, you know, and not, not, a, not in a, you know, narcissistic kind of way, but I was like, you know, Hey, I, I got a good voice. People always say, yeah, you got a nice voice. So, and I just went for it, man. And, and, and the whole reason that I wanted to start it, Richard, because I knew that someday I was going to retire. I knew I was going to leave law enforcement and I wanted to continue to give back to the profession that was so good to me over the years. Yeah. High and lows like any other profession, but I just wanted to continue to give back. And um, so I, I did it. And, you know, anybody who, you know, and anybody who has a podcast, I mean, it, you know, you're, it's trial and error and I'm still learning. I learn, you know, all the time from, from podcasts and new ways to, to do things. But uh, the guests, yeah. I mean, initially I was just doing it by myself, but then I started getting a little bit more traction. And uh, yeah, I've, I just had a wide variety of guests on the show, brother. I mean, and, and I, I wanted a show that I'm not just sitting around telling war stories and cop stories. And those have their place. And I'm not trying to say those aren't important. But I wanted to have, like you said, different uh, different, uh, different guests on the show. I mean, I have everything from, you know, best-selling authors to actors to, you know, mindset coaches to, to military guys, you know, SEAL Team 6 guys, um, you know, and, and everybody in between. And, and everybody, you know, I can, all the guests I have on can connect back into law enforcement. So I had a guy, 
uh, Rod Cleef, who was on my show, amazing guy. Well, he's a real estate guy, but he also does a lot of investing. And why did I have him on? What does it have to do with criminal justice? It has everything to do with criminal justice. I mean, most of us want to invest and have other options with our finances. And so, again, every guest I have on the show, I can tie it back into the criminal justice profession in some way, shape or form. And I'm pretty picky about who I have on the show. Uh, but I've been blessed, man. I mean, now uh, I have people just reaching out to me that want to be on the show. You know, I got uh, the head of Microsoft Global Security coming on the show. Uh, and he's an amazing guy, and he used to be a cop, and he's going to talk about transitioning from, you know, the the public sector to the private sector. So it's a very applicable, unfortunately, because a lot of people are getting out of law enforcement, but they need, you know, help with that. A lot of people do. So again, I've been blessed with the show, brother, and um, yeah, about 430 episodes in, and I continue to to have a great time with it. And you mentioned a good statistic, you know, a million are dead on the vine podcast. I am very passionate about what I do. I mean, I can tell you are too. So, and I tell people all the time, every once in a while I'll get on Clubhouse and, you know, I'm in these podcasting rooms and- yeah, um, we, we need to connect on uh, Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I'd love to. And, um, you know, we, we, I get in these rooms and, you know, people want to know, you know, how, why, you know, what keeps you going? Well, passion, passion keeps me going. Yeah, because if you're, you know, I tell everybody, you know, cause I'm up, I think I'm up to like 260 episodes It's awesome, like that, but you know, you have to be in it for the long game, you know, like Harry V said, you know, my, my mentor, my main mentor is Ed Milet. I love Ed Milet because he has, you know, a heart of service and he's also a man of God. So, mm-hmm. but you know, um, if you're in podcasting to make a quick buck, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong, wrong business. You know what I mean? Well, and then people, yeah, but you, you hit it on the head. I mean, a lot of people, you know, you know, the, the, the first thing out of their mouth, a lot of people, not all of them, but you know, some of them are, okay, you know, how do I start getting sponsors? Well, you know, there, there's a saying out there, you know, do what you love and the money's going to follow. So, but a lot of people, they just want a million downloads right out of the gate. They want to make a lot of money out of the gate and it's, it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, there are ways to monetize a show, you know, affiliates and other things, other ways to, to make money. You know, and to be perfectly honest, my show, yeah, it's a big show, but I also have funnels. I have coaching. I have a book. I have other things. So that's the thing that people need to realize or some people is, you know, you start a show, which was great. It's just great. I don't discourage people from starting a show. But like you said, brother, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But so many people, you know, they want they have these expectations right out of the gate. And it's not going to happen. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not trying to burst your bubble. You can accomplish anything you want as you put your mind to it. But it's going to take work, like you said before. And a lot of people just want to throw out a podcast, don't do any work. And, oh, my God, they're going to get a million downloads and they're going to start making millions of dollars. And I know because I'm in some of these clubhouse room, and it just it cracks me up. And I'm not knocking clubhouse, but, you know, the expectations of a lot of people when it comes to because everybody wants a podcast now. You know, everybody, everybody wants to start a show, which is great. But like I said, it's a it's a long haul, and you you got a lot of shows, so you know what it's like, man. You got to put in the work. And but, a lot and, of people don't want to do that. But you know what? Also, you know, like I tell people that like now that you're on my show, today is when the relationship just begins. Yeah, I'm a relationship guy. Exactly. You know, that's me. You know, I'm a big Gary V. I mean, we actually met and had lunch and all that good stuff. And uh, you know, I'm on a three year plan working with him. You know, jab, jab, jab. I'm still jabbing, but the right hook isn't coming until next January. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, when you're podcasting, you know, 
it's never about me. No. That's where a lot of people fail is because I'm a podcaster. No, it's about the people that you're interviewing. It's about them. Exactly. And that's the thing, too, is, you know, people, you know, with podcasting, and you've probably heard this, is entertain first and form second. So, yeah, it's about the guest. It's not about you. It's not about it's about the guests. And of course, good content. That's what's going to get people back to your show. And you got to be engaging, too. I mean, I've been on some shows. This is an amazing show, brother. You're an amazing host, by the way. I've been on I've, I've been on some shows where it's just like it's like I'm look. I keep looking at my watch and I'm like, this has got to end. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just horrible. And so, again, I'm not trying to sound like I, I'm a know-it-all or anything. It's just that you you got to put in the work with the show, brother. You know that. And so it's going to take a long time. But you can do it. You know, you can put, you know, you can do anything you want. So now, you know, I have, you know, another question. Um, talk to us about your book, you know, because when I, I wrote my book, it came out two years ago. And um, I didn't think I just did it because um, I just wanted to get my life story out there. You know, so when something ever does happen to me, my kids and my grandkids will yeah. read my book and find out, oh, that's the kind of that person daddy was or yeah. grandpa was. But when I wrote my book, um, it, it was very cathartic, but it opened up a lot of old wounds that yeah. I so what was you what was your writing process like? Great question. My book has evolved and, uh, you know, it's a micro book. So it's just a small book that uh, I wrote for, uh, you know, mainly first responders and criminal justice uh, personnel. But anybody can, you know, it's applicable to anything. And it's a collection of, or any anybody for that matter. It's a collection of routines, habits and advice to take charge of your life and be your best self. So evolve is an acronym. Yep. So the E is. Uh, elevate, you know, that's the first part of evolve and that elevate your thinking. We've been talking about mindset a lot. So it really starts with elevating your thinking. V, which we haven't touched on a little bit is visualize. So I'm a big visualization uh, person. So, and this is for, you know, and you probably know this Richard, but for your listeners out there, look, if you want something and it might sound cheesy, but visualize it. Why? Because visualization works. You know, the Russian athletes years ago had this down. They started visualizing winning races. You ever watch Tiger Woods if you're into golf or any, any you know, big athlete? Tiger Woods, I visualize getting the green jacket, meaning the Masters. I visualize it. You know, Olympic athlete, I visualize getting the gold medal. Arnold Schwarzenegger was. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he used to say, like, he said, I would put in the work all year. And then that day I just had to show up to get my. Yeah, so they, yeah, exactly. So visualization is powerful. Visualize getting that promotion with the PD. Visualizing writing your book. You know, it is very, very powerful. So that's V. So O stands for others. We've been talking about it a little bit. Talked about who are you hanging out with? So others, weed your garden. I know that sounds bad, but some, you, some, I guarantee you, most of you have people in your life that you probably don't need in your life that you don't need to associate with any longer because they're not doing anything for you. Can you, can you say that louder for the people in the back? Because a lot <laughs> of people don't realize that it's a, it's a addition by subtraction sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we, we just talked about it, brother. It's about connections. It's about relationships, you know, and, and it's tough because, you know, we have people in our lives. A lot of times, you know, family members, you can't get rid of family. 
you know, but you can, you can kind of wean yourself off of the toxic people in your life because they're not doing you any favor. If anything, they love you because, and I'm not saying they don't love you. I'm just saying that you, you're, you, they get to vent to you. They get to spread their toxicity to you and they're not doing you any favors. Any successful person out there, brother, do not hang out with toxic people. Do you think Branson? Do you think uh, Elon Musk? Do you think Bill Gates? Do you think any, you, you pick it. Any, any successful person, not even a big name, successful people that you know in your life. Do you think they're hanging out with toxic people? No, they're hanging out with people that are pushing them to that next level. I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I never do. When I was a commander with the police department, I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I want to surround myself who are people who are lifting me up to that next level. But so many people, they stay in the mediocre. They stay comfortable because, you know, it's too much work to, to, to change. Well, then you can't complain. If you don't want to change, you don't want to put in the work, don't complain. You know, I love that quote, you know, sometimes you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Exactly. You know? Well, it's like a boat, man. So we build a boat, you and I, Richard. We build a nice little boat. And we, how are we going to test its seaworthiness? We're going to just keep it docked up? No, you got to take it out on the water, right? Most people live their lives just within the herd, dude. Use the NFL as an example. What are the quarterbacks you're always hearing about? Yeah, you're hearing about Brady. You're hearing about Mahomes. You're hearing about all these. And how many quarterbacks are in the NFL? In the NFL, there's a lot of them. But why are you always hearing about the same? Because they're 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 in and out. They're outside the herd. Because they they're put putting in the, in the work. Yeah. They're putting in. You know, they're 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 doing things that most people will not do. Yeah, that's why you know I'm I'm a I'm a Dolphins fan, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm not a Patriots fan, <laughs> but I'm a Brady fan because I I remember when he got drafted, and every every um, interview he does, he tells everybody, you know, I was the 199th pick, but he said he got to the the, the Patriots, and he seen Mister Belichick, and he said, you know what, sir, this is the best pick you've ever made. Yeah. What time does the, the training facility open? And he said, well, our trainer's getting six. He got there at four. Yeah. You know, just like, and, and I'm a big Kobe guy. You know, I just uh, had a great interview with Kobe's a trainer that Kobe would shoot two hours before practice and two hours after a game. Yeah. You know, so like you said, you got to put in, put in the work. And like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Denver guy. I've always been a Denver guy. For some reason, I followed Denver, Denver teams. But Peyton Manning was the most pro oh, yeah. guy in the league. He knew what the offense, the defense, and the special teams was doing before they got on the field. Well, and you're exactly right. But you, you, made, you made another good point in, in, indirectly, Richard. You know, a lot of people out there, and I tell people this all the time, get a coach, get a mentor. If you don't think Brady, if you don't think Woods, if you don't think any top athlete, actor, uh, you know, anybody doesn't have people surrounding themselves, coaches, you're crazy. So everybody needs a coach at some point. You cannot do it by yourself. You can, but it's so much easier to have a coach. Look, I'm a big golfer. I love golf. I told you that at the beginning. And I went into, you know, now they have all this technology they didn't have when I was a kid. But they actually film your swing. They film the trajectory of the ball. They do all this stuff now. Why? Because they're, they're teaching you how to get better. I'm a good golfer, but I have a coach that teaches me how to get better. And it's nice when you see old guys starting to win again. Like, yes. 
And so you get back to, you know, come circle around with Brady. Like him or hate him, the guy puts in the work. That's why he's the, one of the best quarterbacks in history. And so, again, you got to put in the work, but it starts with surrounding yourself with the right people. So that's O. L is love yourself. Love yourself. Look, if you don't love yourself, how do you expect to love anybody else? It's quite simple. You know, I mean, you have to love yourself. You don't have to, but how do you expect to care and love anybody else if you don't if you don't like yourself? And I'm not talking about in a narcissistic, I'm better than you kind of way. You have to learn to love yourself. You have to learn to forgive yourself. It's all tied together. But, you know, so talking yourself. about that, you know, uh, narcissism, you know, I, I interviewed Rich Devaney mm -hmm. and one of his things we talked about was, you know, the great, some of the great, anybody that's been great in whatever field they're in has a little bit of narcissism, but it's, it, it's you also could be narcissist, narcissistic, but also be humble. Exactly. You know, there's like when there's certain people, all, when they walk in a room, you just feel their yeah. presence. You know what I mean? So sometimes yeah. you have to have that, you know, not like you said, not like I, I believe that wherever I go, that I'm highly favored and that I'm a child. Of the well, it's confidence. You know? It's confidence. And it's not. You know, it, yeah, you got to be confident in your abilities. You, you don't want to get pushed around. You don't want people taking advantage of you. And yeah, I would agree with that. Maybe it's a little bit of, hey, look at me, a little bit of narcissism, but that can't control the narrative. Yep. I mean, it has to be more humility. Because that's going to come out. People, people do not like fake people. Yeah. People respect experience and, and humility and connectability. And, and so most social, people, yeah, a lot of people got found out this yeah. year, year and a half. The yeah. people that were driving Lambos last year are yeah. in their mom's basement this year. So the, the L, love yourself, V is victories. What do I mean by that? Celebrate those victories every day. Getting back to gratitude. You're alive, right? That's a victory. Yes. Celebrate those victories every day. You know, I tell people, Richard, I carry a little little rock in my pocket. And this is not my idea. I got it from somebody else a couple of years ago. It's my gratitude rock. And my gratitude, I carry this thing everywhere. So this is a little rock that I picked up a couple of years ago. And every time I touch that rock, I go through my gratitude practice. I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful for another day. I'm celebrating those victories in my life. I don't care how crappy you think your life is, and I'm, I'm not saying it isn't, I hope it's not, but you always have victories to celebrate. So that's the V, and every day, show up and be your best. Look, in law enforcement, I didn't want to go to work some days. I was dreading it. I was like, oh, crap, here we go again. But every day, I showed up and put in 110%. And so that is Evolve. And I wrote it, like I said, after I retired in law enforcement, because I wanted to continue to give back to the brave men and women who serve every day. But it's really applicable to, to uh, anybody, brother. And uh, if anybody wants a free copy, they can go to my website and get the, you know, the ebook version, cjevolution.com. You can get that or I can sign you a, uh, send you a signed copy. You know, I'm definitely going to put that in the liner notes now, you know, and, and I love what you talk about is showing up and working hard. There was a book I read, man, I think when I was a teenager, it was a book by a gentleman. His name was A.L. Williams, mm -hmm. started a company called uh, Transamerica and, and Travelers Group. But um, he said, if, if you work hard, you show up every day. You're going to and you're honest and have honesty, integrity and transparency you're going to beat 90% of the people. Yeah. And the the 10% is just a, a dog fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's exactly right, man. I mean, because a lot of people, they don't want to, you know, they just want shit to fall in their lap. They don't want to put in the work. And unfortunately, that's just a lot of what we're, we have now in society. We know we have a lot of people that, that just, you know, they don't want to put it, they want to put in minimal work. They want to get, make a lot of money. They don't, you know, they just want to have, like we were talking about the podcast and they just want to throw it out there and just, they can't understand why they don't have a million downloads overnight. But, you know, it's just, a, you know, it's the instant gratification society we live in. But you got to show up every day and do your best. And if you're not going to do that, quit complaining. Because somebody else, if you're not doing your best, guarantee you somebody else is. And so, you know, there's we, we have so much power, you know, you know, between our, you know, the six inches between our ears. And this is why I'm a huge advocate and I'm just a, a student of of uh, mindfulness, you know, and student of, you know, mindset, because it is everything, you know, everything is connected to your mind, your mindset, you know, it can either, you can either be very successful with the mind, your mindset, or very, you know, you can fail. And so, I mean, that's why, you know, I started getting, you know, more and more into mindset and meditation a handful of years ago. And it's, uh, it's, it's changed my life for the better. And, you know, and I love that. So now, Normally, I only I have two last questions, but for people like yourself, I have three questions. So I hope. You, uh, uh, first question is, how do we find your podcast? How do we find your book? How do we find you, and how can we support your mission? I have one website, brother. Everything that you just said, all the questions, cjevolution.com. and everything is there. You can find all my shows uh, on the website. You can find my book. You can find my coaching. You can find my speaking. And I am just, you know, you're supporting me now, Richard, by having me on the show, brother. Uh, if you want to support me more, head over to Apple Podcasts. Give me, listen to a show. Uh, if you like it, give me a rating and review. And uh, yeah, that's how you can support me. Or grab a copy of my book. I would appreciate that. I'm sure you, the listeners would love it. But I, I love, you know, just kind of sharing my message, brother, and being on great shows like uh, yours uh, that's how you're supporting me. And I, I, I just, uh, I'm grateful for you. And uh, you and I have been connected on social for a while now. And I follow what you're doing. You follow, you always send me a message and I appreciate that brother. So thank you for the support. And uh, yeah, I'm just glad to connect with your, with your listeners. Always. Hopefully one day I'll be able to hang out with you on your show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely gonna, gonna send you a, a link and then you can come on my show because you're a great host brother. And so you're, now, doing great, you're doing great. Thanks. Thank you. Like I said, it's all about the guests. It's never about, yeah. It's, it's all about, you know, listen, that one person, that one person that's struggling and hurting right now. If yeah. one person hears it, it's a win-win, win-win. So now getting to that point, you know, there, we live in a crazy world. You know, where I live in New Jersey, so everything is still kind of, we're still on lockdown. It's supposed to lift, lift I think, this week sometime. But, you know, we've lost so many businesses that, you know, a lot of parents mm -hmm. are driving Uber just to put, you know, food in their kid's mouth. You know, we've got grandparents that are um, homeschooling kids. So, yeah. you know, we live in a crazy world. So if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody that's listening right now to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if there's somebody out there that's struggling right now, police officer, uh, first responder, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to get some help so they don't become a statistic? You know, I would, you know, like I said, there's a lot of resources out there. There are suicide hotlines out there. I'm sure you can link stuff up in your show notes, brother. But I, I would reach out. 
you know, reach out. The, the worst thing you can do for doesn't matter what you're what you're doing, law enforcement, military is to keep it inside. I mean, don't do that. I mean, reach out for help. I mean, that's the hardest thing is that first step. You know, Martin Luther King said, brother, you don't have to see the whole staircase in front of you. You got to take that first step. And he was so, so right. You know, take that first step, ask for help. It's going to be the best thing that you've ever done. And it's going to help you. There's plenty of resources out there. There's Richard, there's me. And I'm not a therapist. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a therapist, but, you know, listen to our shows, listen to our guests. But the, the most important thing is to reach out and ask for that help. Okay. I love that. Now the last question, because I have a feeling, but I don't know if I'm correct or not. Um, I was told that um, when I was, I fell away from God that if um, I didn't feel close to God, I'm the one that moved. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, talk to us about your faith and what keeps you going day in and day out. Well, my faith is I grew up Catholic. I'm still very a strong Catholic. Uh, you know, I mentioned my morning routine, uh, 40 minutes of that, 35, 40 minutes is dedicated to prayer, you know, and uh, a type of meditation where I'm talking with God, you know, and I'm praying and I'm praying to, you know, what I grew up with, St. Jude and uh, all these other saints and, you know, uh, the Lord. And so faith is very, very important to me. Like I said, I'm Catholic, still very much Catholic. And I, I say the rosary a lot, um, but you know, everybody's different. You know that, brother. I mean, some people are, are religious. Some people aren't. And I, I respect every everybody's way of life. But, yeah, my 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 faith is, is very, very important to me. OK, brother. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank most of all, most important out of all is, you know, thank you for being a brother in Christ. Most of all. Yeah. I'm um, um, thank you. So grateful for coming on. I'm going to talk to my friend Tammy because she has an amazing podcast um talking about hoarding but also mental mental health yeah so, yeah so i'm gonna ask her to have you come on her show that's ab absolutely brother and uh any way i can help you richard and like i said i'd love to have you on my show brother i'll send you a link any way i can help you you asked how you could help me any way i can help it's a two-way street brother you let me know okay yep like you said the only thing i'm going to ask is just you know down the road is just going to send me a picture send me a quote and then leave me a review on apple you got it. I'm just like you. You know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're complicated, but we're simple people. Exactly, brother. All right, my friend. Well, God bless you and have a great weekend. God bless you, my friend. And uh, thank you. Thanks uh, to all your listeners and keep up the fantastic uh, work, Richard. You're doing a great job, brother. Trying to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Take all care, right. brother. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee. And, and it will it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. 
definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.